Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking to the ladies about hormones versus habits. All right, Nicole, welcome to episode number, were we, 58? 58. Episode number 58. We are talking to the ladies here that are basically, Nicole, we've had this conversation, basically like, I don't know what to do. I've tried everything. It's got to be my hormones. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something that as coaches, we face often. And we're not saying that hormones aren't important, but what we are saying is Oftentimes people come to us and they're like, it's got to be my hormones. And we're like, all right, well, let's kind of just take a step back and see what your daily habits look like. And then we see some of these food journals or some of these exercise habits. And we're like, okay, whoa, we've got to take it way back. Mm -hmm. So I think a good place for us to start is starting with the fundamentals of what fat loss means and what the components of fat loss are. And that is really the starting point of where you need to start looking before you start saying, okay, well, I need to get some labs done and I need to see, you know, hormonally what my, my, essentially my hormone panel is my estrogen, my estradiol, my uh, testosterone levels, my uh, cortisol, my, Mm -hmm thyroid hormone, my T3, T4, reverse T3, all of those things, right? Before you go into that, you should really probably be assessing your habits. It's a, this is a difficult episode because hormones clearly can impact the way that a female body functions hundred percent. We know this, but I think the reason why I wanted to talk about this today is I'm finding that a lot of clients that I am getting in my caseload are not only thinking that it's a hormonal shift in their body that's creating these these issues, whether it be they're not being able to lose weight or they're having a hard time controlling their hunger levels, a bunch of, of factors there is that they're also going and getting these labs and they're seeing functional practitioners and they're coming back with all this information and they don't even know what to do with it once they get it. So when we take a look at everything, no matter where you're coming in, whatever situation you're in, even if you have, even if you are in perimenopause or you have just come off birth control pills, or you are struggling to lose weight and there may be a thyroid issue. The bottom line is you always have to go back to the fundamentals no matter what. So if we start off with the fundamentals, like what, what actually should you be doing? I think a lot of women, and this is where the tough love comes in. You have to take a really good hard look at what you are honestly doing to your body and how you are treating it. A lot of the the situations that we get in, in terms of thyroid issues or imbalances in hormones can sometimes happen when we're chronically dieting, when we're over exercising, when we're not getting enough sleep, when we're not drinking enough water, when we're taking on too much and our bodies are way too stressed, both emotionally and physically. And so a lot of the times it becomes hard to figure out what came first. Did you not take care of your fundamentals and you created this issue by not taking care of your body or you've been taking care of your body 
And maybe you're over tipping the scale by over dieting and over exercising, which also can create some of these very same issues. So I wanted to talk about this today because it's kind of like um, there's a spectrum that you can fall in. And most of the time, like 99% of the time, the women that we see in coaching are just not taking care of their bodies and it's not their hormones. Their hormones are fine. Their blood work comes back completely normal. And then they come back and they say, oh my God, Nicole, well, then what the hell's wrong with me? Nothing is wrong with you is the answer. What's wrong with you is that your daily habits, the routines that you're creating and the rituals that you're partaking in day to day are not giving you what you need or providing the support to your system to be able to lose weight. Nicole, let's dive into some of those uh, fundamentals of female fat loss. And then I think, you know, you you have them listed here as kind of like physical and emotional factors. And then I also want to dive into the like you said, like that pendulum swing from Mm -hmm. one extreme to the next. And there are, you know, two scenarios where you're essentially kind of not really taking care of your body. It's that you're either over-exercising and underfed or that you're just, you know, either eating, you know, shit quality food or you're, you know, high calories, maybe not during the week, maybe on the weekends, like we've seen that. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of just start with the fundamentals of fat loss in general from a physical standpoint. And Nicole, you know where we're going to start here, obviously, where yeah. we always start is the number one most important thing from a weight loss or fat loss standpoint is going to be creating a calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. And the hard part about creating a calorie deficit is if you are a female who has been living in a calorie deficit for two years, then you may not be at a stage where weight loss or fat loss or changing your physique is the, it's not the right time for that. That's a very difficult conversation that I have with a lot of women that are eating a thousand to 1200 calories a day and they're not seeing change and they come going, I'm stuck. I can't figure out what's wrong. It's gotta be hormonal. My thyroid's broken. Everything's damaged. You know, they think they're just a train wreck. And then I take a look at their labs and their labs are all perfectly normal. You, you know, then we go into this, this concept of reverse dieting and talking about feeding their body up so that their body gets a break from dieting down so much. That's probably one of the hardest conversations to have with female clients is that they're not going to be able to get into a fat loss phase at that time. And we have to create some changes and take care of their body before we can then go into that type of calorie deficit. I'll add that the flip side to that is going yep. to be the person who is like, well, I, yeah, I am in a calorie deficit and it's not working. Mm-hmm. And then you are like, all right, cool. Like just log it in. Let's take a look at it. And we've had scenarios like this where it's like, okay, well, you're not in a calorie deficit at all. Yeah, not even close. Or you're in a calorie deficit during the week, but then on the weekends you have 4,000 calories a day or 5,000 calories. Like mm-hmm. you're eating a ton of calories on the weekends, basically treating your body as if it's like a garbage disposal on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're not thinking, and this is where you and I have spoken about the deficit that you're creating, not just for the day, but also for the week. And you have to look at what your whole week looks like. It doesn't matter if you've created a deficit Monday through Friday, Mm -hmm. if Saturday and Sunday, you're eating back those calories and then some, of course, you're not going to be getting results. So you need a net deficit created over the long periods, as well as the day to day. So it's important to note that like we're talking about here is the two extremes of the pendulum. Maybe you're over dieting 
and you've been chronically dieting and chronically exercising for a prolonged period of time and your body's just had enough. And it's like, no, I'm, I can't, I need to conserve energy. You're trying to kill me here. Right. Or on the flip side, maybe you're just not in a def deficit. Maybe you need to have a real hard conversation with yourself mm -hmm. and say, okay, well, I haven't really been adequately tracking what I've been doing. And now I really need to pay some closer attention to, uh, you know, the meals that I'm putting together. Yeah, exactly. So then once we assess this, right, are you in too big of a deficit or are you not in a deficit at all? Okay. So where do we go from here? Right. We start building for you. And one of the first things that we build in a successful meal plan, especially in a fat loss strategy is going to be your protein intake. We're going to start with that protein anchored approach, and we're going to give you adequate protein throughout the day to preserve lean mass, to build lean mass, uh, and to help drive a, a healthy functioning metabolism. Yeah. And for females, this is so important for your menstrual cycle, for PMS, for all the things that people come to me with thinking that things aren't working correctly on the, on the hormone side. If you fix, if you are adjusting, I should say not fix, but if you're adjusting your calories and where you're starting from on that pendulum, and then you add in the protein anchored approach. And then the third tier to that is the protein anchored approach consistently, which is a huge part of this. Um, you know, I have women that come in and their protein is great for the week. And then on the weekends, they miss like two to three days and they barely hit their protein intake. And I always say, Protein is something you have to adequately consume on a regular basis. So your body gets used to having that intake properly functioning throughout your system. So I would say consistency is the last piece of so calorie deficit and where you fall protein intake adequately throughout the day. And then consistently doing that day to day, week to week, month to month. I just had a client this past week. We changed our protein and added any, about 75 grams more per day. She has less PMS. She's not as hungry the few days before her period. It's like women don't really put together that the what they're putting in their body for food has a huge effect on their PMS and then how they actually bleed during their cycle. Okay. All right. And then we get into the uh, the next components, uh, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. You need to be moving frequently throughout the day or on the flip side, if you're currently moving too much, move less. Like to some of these people that are, you know, running themselves to the ground, like, oh, maybe you just need a rest. Maybe you just need to sit on, sit like on the couch. I, I find, and I found this with both male and female clients that there are some people, there's a certain type of personality that mm -hmm. is just like, I can't, what do you mean? Don't work out seven days a week. Like, <laughs> I can't yeah. not do that. And I'm like, your body, you're the only thing you're doing here is breaking down your body. You're not building anything mm -hmm. here. Yeah. So well, this gets, that goes into the next thing that we're going to talk about is the emotional factors. And part of that emotional stuff for the people that can't sit still is that they don't want to slow down enough to actually really think so, about how they're feeling. So let's do that. Let's get, let's get right into that. So let's talk about that emotional factor, Nicole. The emotional factor is basically that. I mean, if you, <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm guilty of this too. So I'll throw myself right here under the bus when I don't want to think about something that's stressing me out. I'm not really someone that's going to eat ice cream when I'm stressed, but I definitely will take three walks in a day or I will, you know, find something to clean and become obsessive compulsive about cleaning my apartment. They're, they're emotional distractions. Um, everybody has different ways that we distract ourselves emotionally to not think, feel, 
or have to deal with certain things that are going on in life. And some people use food and exercise as ways to deal with that. So emotional. But here's so here's the thing. Here's the side that I get into. And I said this to, to somebody the other day that I sat down with and I'm like, okay, well, okay. One to 10, this is where you've measured your different stressors, your areas of your life, right? Where on our questionnaire, it's like, all right, well, work one to 10. How big of a stress is that for you? Mm -hmm. Uh, Family one to 10, uh, your social life one to 10, like all of these things. And there were a few of them that popped up pretty high. And I was like, well, so what do you do to manage your stress? And the answer, one of the biggest answers that I get from people that are these over exercisers are, well, I exercise. Yeah. And I'm like, well, exercise in and of itself is a stress. It is not a a stress management tool. It's a stress on the body, especially for somebody who is already over exercising and, you know, can't give their body a break. Like that's not stress management. I guess I really want to dive into that piece too, because the stress management piece is super important for, we talk about your stress cup Mm -hmm. and filling your stress up with all these stressors. And then you had exercise on top and now the cup is pouring over. You don't have room for exercise unless you're focusing on those stressors because exercise in and of itself is a stressor for you, which Interestingly enough, and this is something that I just realized, I, I knew it, but as I do it more and, and find the purpose of it, I walking for me is one of those things where like, if my head is cluttered, there's a lot of racing thoughts. Yeah. And I've always had people like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go for a walk and clear my mind. And mm-hmm. there's always that saying, and it's just, you just, you don't really think about it, but I went for a walk today and I thought about <laughs> you just, thought about walking <laughs> I thought about I thought about thinking about walking and thinking during what I don't even know yeah. but it was I'm like oh wow like this is a stress so like when I don't do yeah. this activity just leisurely walking mm-hmm. I find that the stress starts to build up yeah so it's something that I need to incorporate daily so if somebody were to ask me today mm-hmm. what do you do for stress management one of those top things is going to be walking yeah. Well, me too. And, and if anybody follows me on Instagram at boss Blasi, I post pictures of my walks all the time. I think it also, so a lot of what I discuss with clients and it depends on the person. And on my questionnaire, we talk about stress starvers and stress eaters, stress movers and stress sleepers. And so you have, again, that pendulum, like if you are a stress starver, which I am, meaning there are certain things in my life that stress me out that I, I can't eat. Like, I starve myself, not like aggressively starve, but like I won't be missing a meal if I'm stressed about like a a relationship or a fight with a friend. But then you have things on the other end of the spectrum. Like if I have a hard time at work with something, I'm a stress eater that in that aspect. And then you have the stress, you know, exerciser, someone that has to move, like you said, to, to walk and think things through and talk it out. I tend to be a stress driver. Like I'll drive in my car and have the argument with the friend or have the argument with the person or talk out what I want to say. Like I'm a stress driver. I'll just go take a drive and like hash it out. And then you have the stress sleeper, someone that feels stressed and then just literally needs to shut down and go to bed. They need to shut their brain off and be quiet. Some people will paint and cut like adult coloring or paint, you know, different type of artsy stuff that takes your mind off whatever it is so that you have a clear mindset to make a better. Why do we have to call it adult coloring? I don't know, because that's what they call it. But it's just coloring. 
It's just coloring. It's just a child versus an adult. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know why. It's just what not, they call it. Haven't you ever seen them in the children. stores? It's like it's called an adult coloring book. No, I've never seen that. I thought really? you just oh. made that up. No, no, I'm not making it up. I'm, I'm like like adult coloring. Like, no, it's just a person coloring. Like it's my I guess marketing, you, maybe I'll like, send oh, you a picture. like you market a product towards like kids or adults. Is that why? Maybe, I guess. But I also think it's just you know, adults don't want to think that they are coloring. I don't know. Oh, great. So I'm doing adult coloring. <laughs> I love adult coloring. I think adult, if you want to call adult coloring, that's like painting up your living room. That's adult coloring. <laughs> that's actually a really good point. Yes, that's true. I hate painting in the house, but rather color. A yeah, pretty you flower. also hate being an adult. So yeah, there you, go. <laughs> there you go. All right. Back to the show. Sorry. Emotional factors. Basically, what we're talking about is like the different type of personalities will need different structure in terms of how they deal with their emotional factors in life. And all of those things can swing one way to the other. So it really depends on the person. So, Nicole, let's talk a little bit about as you're mentioning, like some people don't eat when they're mm -hmm. stressed. Some people do eat when they're stressed. Let's talk about kind of differentiating hunger versus stress eating. So yeah. how, how would we approach something like that? Well, we, a lot of the times what I'll say to clients is, um, it's what they call the pause technique. If you have a craving for something or you feel hunger, if you are not looking to have a, a cup of fruit or some vegetables and hummus or a glass of water, like healthier choices, which will feed the hunger and make you feel full and they're healthier options, then you're probably not hungry. So if you stop before you go into the kitchen to get cookies or cakes or chips, and this is for the stressed eater. So I'm not talking about someone that just wants to have a cookie and it's part of their food plan. And, you know, they're eating just one or two and they're walking away from it. When I say stress eating, I'm talking about someone that goes in and gets a, a bucket of ice cream or a bag of chips or an entire you know, container of cookies. And they purposely sit down and just, you know, mindlessly eat. OK, so let's differentiate what I mean by stress eating. If you are, are have the ability to take a breath and step back before you actually dive into the bag of chips or the ice cream, if you can eat something healthy and it feeds you and you don't go into, you know, some of the foods that aren't going to fill you up, because we know a container of ice cream isn't really nutritious, that you're just utilizing that as, as empty calories in a way to fill the void of whatever you're feeling or don't want to feel, then you're probably not hungry for it to start. I tell clients all the time, if you find yourself driving, literally getting in your car <laughs> at five o'clock and driving to like Dunkin Donuts for a munchkin or a donut, I would say you can have the donut <laughs> because most people that aren't hungry for a donut and really don't want the donut aren't going to get in the car and go and drive to, to get it. They'll say, oh, I'll get it tomorrow. It doesn't matter. I'm not really that hungry for it. So that pause is important. And then by tomorrow, you don't want it anyway. Yeah, Usually. you don't even think about it. But and if, if you, you are, it, then yeah, go get it, pick it up on the way home from work or something. Yeah. All right. And then we've got so we want to kind of differentiate between the two and we want to say, OK, well, am I willing to eat something healthy or do I just want some junk food that is just going to make me feel good in the moment? So right. I definitely do want to identify that. And it's I think it's a good thing to learn about your behaviors and what some of your triggers are in that regard. Yeah. And these I, I call them eating skills, Jerome, as you know. And these are skills that you develop and you have to practice doing. No one is ever 
like easily just gone into the kitchen and been like, wait a minute, hold on. Am I actually upset over this or do I just want to eat the ice cream because my boyfriend broke up with me? It takes practice to take a step back and really analyze how you feel. And if you're someone that doesn't like to feel things, which is why you're going for the ice cream, that can sometimes be hard to catch yourself going in and not feeling or feeling whichever way you swing. Those are things that you have to practice. And that's what a coach or at least the good coaches will try and help you with. And then moving along, Nicole, let's get into some guidelines for fat loss success that are just, I guess, general guidelines, not just for women, but also you know, for anybody really trying to focus on fat loss. And this ties into some of the fundamentals that we've talked about in regard to female fat loss. Yeah. I mean, we, I always start with, you know, quality food. I mean, let's be honest. If you're not going to take the time to choose or make good choices with the foods that you're eating, you're in trouble right out the gate. I mean, you have to have a calorie deficit. Yes. You have to be exercising and walking and sleeping and stress managing all of the physical stuff. But if you're waking up and having a munchkin for breakfast and coffee for lunch and no dinner, you're in trouble. Those are poor food choices. So you have to make an effort to create a meal plan that works best for you. Maybe grocery shopping lists, prepping food, or if anything, knowing where you're going to go and get your lunch at work and make healthy choices. And I think we've covered this in our previous episode. There's absolutely no excuse anymore. And I'm going to say that one more time. There's absolutely no excuse to not make a good food choice in almost 90% of where we go to eat these days. When women say, I didn't know what to do when I went out to dinner with girlfriends, I I really don't understand that. I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I didn't know what to do. It's just that I didn't want to even think about what to do. Exactly. I just wanted to go in and not think, and then just do, listen, I mean, I've seen this time and time again, and then I'll be like, listen, like what, what are your good? And it's like, you know, in some cases it's just, you have to learn the ability to think outside of the box of what you've been doing, because what you've been doing obviously got you to the point that you're at here and you're unhappy with that. So it's now you have to train yourself to say, okay, well, what is different that I, than what I've been doing and how do I kind of move forward and think outside of the box in terms of what I've been doing? So if you're, if you're going out to eat and you're still making the same choices that you were before, we know that that's not going to help, but what kind of alterations can you make? You can, literally go anywhere and order chicken or go anywhere and order vegetables, I mean, the, a salad. The, the, yeah. And just mod, you can even, you don't even have to make a major change. You can make a change in your portion size exactly. that in, in a place that you typically go to. Uh, exactly. And Nicole, that's one thing that I found in terms of like people that are overeating are typically just eating very large portions or very calorically dense portions. Right. And this is where we get into nutrient density versus calorie density. Right. Right. And we really want to just push you more towards the nutrient dense side and just say, okay, well, let's just, let's scale it back a little bit. You don't need to make these crazy adjustments or changes. I mean, like a perfect example, I went from like, I was like, all right, I'm going to diet at 2,500 calories. And then I was like, all right, well, 2,500 is not really doing it for any, for me anymore. So like, let me just remove a little bit from some of my meals, right? Mm-hmm. Like instead of six ounces of, I do like those, uh, those frozen sweet potato fries. 
Yeah. And I'll bake them in the oven. And instead of six ounces, I'll do five ounces. Right. Mm -hmm. And and just that minor adjustment is like, okay, oh, you spread that across my meals. Okay. Well, now I've just taken out the two to 300 extra calories that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I went from like 2,500 to around 22, 2,300. And I didn't make a major adjustment. So even when I'm eating out, it's like, all right, well, the normal portion size that I'll have, I'm just going to eat a little bit less. And then I made that additional change. It doesn't have to be something so complicated. I know that we do like, I know that we do like for people to really learn about food. Right. And I, and I will say that I have learned about what portions look like and what portions are. And I did map out completely my 2,500 calories to make sure it was accurate. But from there to scale, I was like, all right, cool. Like I just chop off a little bit and I'm roundabout where I want to be. My energy's good. My hunger's okay. Like mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm really assessing the things that I need to, and I'm, I'm feeling fine with that. Yeah. So you just knocked out planning ahead, meal strategies for success and nutrient dense foods, which are all on the eating guidelines for success. And you just kind of crashed all of them down. <laughs> Bravo. Boom. Crushed it. <laughs> these are some of the things that you need to assess and and look at. And these are all of the things where you're like, all right, well, are my habits in check before I'm going to, oh, well, it's got to be my hormones. And what I want to say about it's got to be my hormones that I hear all the time is we are so quick to blame anything but us. We are Mm -hmm. so quick to not take personal responsibility. And this is the issue. Is it Maybe your hormones. Yes, but 90% of the time it's not. So you really have to listen, unless you've been, uh, let's say diagnosed with PCOS and you're, you're, it's, it's, you know, you're putting on body fat and you have these, all these symptoms, unless it's something like that, like nine times out of 10, which is more common, right? We're talking about one in four women. So, you know, 25%. All right. So 75% of you that think it's your hormones don't have PCOS and 90% chance it's not something else with your hormones, right? That's, I guess, how I'll kind of try and word that. Mm -hmm. But you have to make sure that even if it is your hormones, food is driving hormones too. So you could make some dietary changes, right? I'll give an example of this. When we talk about thyroid function, when we talk about Hashimoto thyroiditis, right? Are you going to need medication to level out your thyroxin levels? Yes, absolutely. But you're not going to solve the problem still if you don't change your habits. So, and a lot of these, when it comes to Hashimoto thyroiditis, like you could be eating foods that are affecting your immune response Mm -hmm. that are causing a lot of these issues, is causing your body to create antibodies, right? Mm -hmm. You could have an issue with dairy. And you're just shoveling down milk and drinking, you know, eating milk and cereal in the morning, right? That could be what's affecting you in a negative way. You can have an imbalanced gut microbiome. You can have, oh, what else? There are so many things. I think one of the biggest pieces to that is every woman, from a female standpoint, every female is different and reacts different. So the reason why I think we've kind of gotten to this cycle especially now with females thinking hormones, hormones, hormones is one, we're more educated about it, which is phenomenal. But at the same time, then they're using that as fuel to be like, well, something's got to be wrong. You have to have more than one symptom, meaning you can't lose weight to say that there's something not there's dis-ease in your body and the functioning of your harm or your hormones are not functioning well. Do you, 
You hear what I'm saying? Well, well, like you can't just come to me and be like, I've tried everything and I can't drop 10 pounds. It's got to be like I, I had my thyroid tested and I had a Dutch test. Like I've got tons of women doing Dutch tests now. And then they come and I look at everything and everything's normal. I'm like, there's really nothing off here. Well, then what should I do? I'm like, well, okay, let's go back to the basics. 90% of the time, they're nowhere near their protein intake. They're definitely not getting it consistently. They're absolutely not exercising in a way that is going to help support their immune system. Like we talked about, they're either too much or too less, or they're jumping. This is the other one. They're jumping from program to program to program to program and never seeing results because they don't stay there long enough to actually get any. So it... uh, it gets a little bit frustrating as a coach to like, I feel like a lot of the times I have to anchor my females down and kind of hold it down for them and say, listen, you have to stay here for the next six months and do all these things that we just put into place in terms of your habits, routines, and rituals for the next six months, like no messing around, hunker down. And then let's see if we can get the results that you want. And I'm telling you, to our listeners, 99.9% of the time things happen and they're blown away by what their bodies can do when they really own up to the fact that they were the ones not putting in the work. You right. have to well, you have to focus on what's in your control. Okay, I'm not losing body fat right now. What factors am I in control of that maybe are either hindering my progress or if I change them will accelerate my progress? And just take ownership of those things and and I don't know about you, but I love being in control. I love being in the driver's seat. <laughs> I, I'm not quick to say there's something wrong with me. I'm quick to say, okay, what, what can, can I do, I do mm-hmm. to change my current situation? Yeah. And when you flip the dialogue from it's got to be something else to, okay, well, what am I in control of that is not happening at the moment? Then you start to take a hard look at your habits and you say, okay, well, I could maybe get an extra hour of sleep at night mm-hmm. or I could maybe focus on my stress management or, you know what, I'm not really in as big a deficit as I thought, or I am over over exercising and maybe I need some time for rest and recovery, whatever that looks like for you. And listening to this episode, hopefully you gathered some information that you can really just look at your plan, look at your program and, you know, reassess and evaluate before you decide, Hey, it's my hormones. And then you go and get lab work done. And then you're disappointed because, oh, well, the doctor can't figure out what's wrong with me. Exactly. Yeah, that's the biggest part here that I think. I mean, if something is truly authentically wrong, obviously you need to be at the doctor's and the doctor will take take it from there to make sure that everything is in a place of health and wellness for you. But even still, like you said earlier, you still have to go back to all the same fundamentals that we've just been discussing and make an overhaul in order for even that one issue to not continue to get worse, which is kind of my point. Well, here's the thing is if you, let's say you, your hormones are slightly off, right? But you haven't been in a calorie deficit. If you've worked that stuff out with your hormones, guess what? You're still going to have to be in a calorie deficit. So you're still going to have to do what you need to do to hit those goals. So we'll, I guess, leave it there. Okay. And we'll leave you on the note of just, you know, take some accountability of the things that are, you are in control over. And if all else fails, then yeah, sure. Go get some things looked at. Listen, I'm totally an advocate of doing uh, lab work and just making sure that you're overall healthy and going for your yeah. annual physicals. And if there's anything in particular that you think is wrong, speak to your physician about that and have them check that out. Take the route of what am I in control of and, and, and how, how can I, you know, affect change in myself and, and create progress prior to just blaming something else. 
And if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week. 